Hi there, guys. So it's currently uh, 6.43 on Monday the 6th of June, uh, which means that I am less than 20 minutes away from having a chat with Kevin Eastman. Um, For those of you that have never heard this podcast before and have been living under a rock since 1984, Kevin Eastman's one of the two guys that created the Ninja Turtles back in 84 uh, in the comic version. He's been pretty heavily involved in most iterations of the Turtles since, and I am absolutely bricking it. I feel weird and shaky. Uh, and I know what you might be thinking. You might be thinking, Stace, it's it's all good. He's just a regular guy who done some doodles and wrote some words, and it's fine. You can do this. You're a professional sort of podcaster type. To you, I would say, thanks for trying. But it's not going to help. <laughs> I have legit never felt this sick in my life outside of actually being like genuinely stricken with illness. My stomach is in knots. I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm scared that the only words that will come out of my mouth will be, I love you, uh, and that I might pass out or be sick. I don't know. I mean, fingers crossed, if you're hearing this introduction, that means I didn't make too much of a mess of the interview, which means you're probably about to hear it. So that's good. But yeah... I love the Ninja Turtles. Most people know this about me. Uh, it was one of the first, like, first proper nerdy things I ever really got into. Unfortunately, I'm too delightfully young and sprite- sprightly uh, to have been into the comics when they came out uh, originally because I wasn't even born then. But I did watch the cartoon a lot when I was a kid. There was an awful lot of times on the school playground that I had fights with boys because they told me I had to be April O'Neil and I was like, nope, I'm Donatello or nothing, bitches. Um, why am I rambling? I'm rambling because I'm trying to distract myself from the nerves. Uh, I've already had the, the 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 anxiety squits twice, and I don't feel like I really want to go and do that again. <laughs> I mean, that might also have something to do with the fact that we just had a, a turkey mince dinner that tasted of death. So uh, it, it could well also be a small case of food poisoning, but who knows? <laughs> anyway, I'm rambling. Um, Here's an interview that I did with Kevin Eastman in which hopefully I don't make a twat out of myself. Hi, how are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. How are you doing? I'm yeah, doing great. Happy Monday. Oh, thanks. I've uh, I've had a ridiculous day at work, so it's like, <laughs> come home, do something fun, you know, get nervous, shit yourself. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. No, that's a uh, you know, I always uh, always try to take as much time off on the weekends as I can, but it does always end up being a little bit of work. Um, getting done because I know that Monday is going to be pretty busy and and, uh, and it's all good. So it's, it's but you know then again I'm like I get to work at home most of the time uh, anyway. So that's that's a real plus. <laughs> I was going to say like, sometimes I think working from home would be both a blessing and a curse because you know pajamas are amazing, but also I think I'd just be asleep all the time and then be like ah deadlines. Yes, no, it is. It's, it's taken you know as I've done it for you know and I'm still. Still perfecting the art of it, but I've done, you know, I've been lucky enough uh, to, to mostly have a home studio most of most of my comic book life, which is probably I guess, 32 years. But it still is. There's so many distractions, and it's like, uh, you know, these days, you know, we have um, between we have three dogs, uh, a little wiener dog, we have two cats, we have a 10 year old son. Um, my wife works at home, Courtney. She she you know books all the interviews and, and schedules all conventions and handles all the business stuff and but it always seems like you know we have three shifts during the day it's like you know we have the morning shift we get some work done and then we 
take a little bit of a break and then do some business calls. And then we have an afternoon shift where it's more work and more of the same. And then once we have family time at night, then it's, you know, when Shane goes off to off to bed, we have what we call the night shift, which is usually a, another two and a half, three hour uh, of, you know, drawing in the upstairs studio and, and uh, binge watching something, <laughs> you know, Game of, Game of Thrones or Daredevil or the 100 or whatever. But yeah, there's, there's lots of distractions, but you got to, it's a fine art to perfect. I haven't perfected it yet, but I'm, I'm trying. Well, I was going to say, how do you find time to do anything else, like, other than work? Well, you know, it, it, it's very much the same. It's like you have to be very careful with your schedule, whether it's, you know, writing or drawing. Because, you know, like, for example, you know, with writing, you know, having no distractions is the best way because you can, you know, focus, especially when you're trying to put together, you know, say, a, a large story or, you know, just so you can focus on it. So that has to be scheduled at the right time. And then drawing time, uh, I love that because I can actually do that. Um, my studio, I call it the downstairs studio, which is um, practically right in the middle of our living room. Um, I've got a desk and everything and I can draw um, and be around everybody. It can be, you know, Shane can be running around doing stuff and, you know, Courtney's cooking something in the kitchen or she's doing, you know, her work. And so you don't feel, you know, left, <laughs> left up in the dark in some dark closet, you know, drawing away so you get to be part of it. But then, you know, like uh, this weekend, uh, you know, I just got up a little early on Saturday and was able to get a few things that, you know, were running late from last week. And by the time, you know, Courtney and Shane got up, it's like, all right, let's go to the beach today. And so we then spent, you know, the next, you know, five or six hours just doing nothing but family time, running around the beach, building sandcastles, you know, doing that kind of stuff. And um, so it's, it's everything's a, everything's a schedule. And, you know, Shane, our son is, is into sports and, you know, he's 10. So it's like, Today, he's, you know, finishing up school, comes straight home, does his chores. He's going off to um, practice because he's on the all-star team. He's got a game this weekend. And <laughs> he just, it's, you know, and I think it, it, it's all, you know, you think about, you know, your life, for example. It's like, you know, if you have work and if you have things you like to do, you want to have personal time and you've got some other, you know, creative stuff you want to do. It's, you know, you're, you're it's all relative, if you know, if you follow, you know, because it's all, you have to schedule everything. And you, have to, you have to work everything in you want to do during the day. It's, it's uh it's not easy, but it's uh, it's what we do. Oh, I mean, imagine. so like right now, uh, I mean, what what time is it right you know, tonight? Let me see. You got to be uh, heading towards eight o'clock at night, seven o'clock. Yeah, it's just gone seven over here, and it is hot oh. as balls. Really? <laughs> well, is that, when a, when is that unusual? That, when I say that, I mean British hot. So like for you, it's probably like winter. I don't know, uh, but it's hot for me. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not a summer person. I'm wilting as we speak. <laughs> What is it? It's like, because, um, you know, you're right. I mean, I grew up on, on the East Coast. I grew up in Maine in some sort of, <clears throat> we used to, you know, very hot and humid summer, rainy and lots of snow in the winter. And, you know, very spoiled here in San Diego because, you know, the weather the weather is really almost <laughs> boringly consistent. It's, you know, it's <laughs> not, not, not too hot and too cold. It kind of covers around, you know, 75, 80 degrees um, Fahrenheit, you know, here. Um, but, yeah, I know that... Uh, um, if you get a eat a hot spell, it's like wow. Yeah, especially for us Brits, because we usually have about four days of this year. So whenever it happens, we're like, oh, I wasn't prepared. Oh. And then you just mm. crisp in the sun. <laughs> what, what part of uh, what part of the UK are you in? Uh, I'm from uh, the Midlands, so Birmingham. Oh. Yeah, it's it's very middle of the roady area that that has very bland weather. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, why are we talking about weather? Nobody wants to hear about this. <laughs> well, no, I, I was just I was curious. I used to, you know, um, I I've done 
a lot of work over the years, um, and actually the godfather of our, our son chain is Simon uh, Simon Bisley. Oh, right. And, uh, um, yeah, he's um, up in Carleton, which is, I guess, Carleton, Whitney. It's uh, not too, it's, it, it's a little bit uh, north of Oxford. Um, and oh, so I used, to, I used to go up there and, you know, work in his studio sometimes for uh, a month or so, you know, two weeks to a month, you know, over the years here and there. I haven't been over him for a while, but it was always, um, it was always nice. I like the countryside. It was pretty is very pretty. Uh, it's very pretty. It's not great for those of us who suffer from hay fever, though. But <laughs> <laughs> I've pretty much spent all day at work today going, <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been great. Oh, poor thing. I know. I'm adorable, aren't I? Um, I just noticed literally just before uh, before I rang that you've, you've got an IPA on the go. Had that happen? Yeah, that was isn't that funny? What's well, it's kind of uh, it was a really fun idea um, in that IW um, is uh, the you know I do most of my work for IDW Comics um, and here in San Diego and and right next to their offices is a is a company called Stone Brewery and um, every year they do around when you know San Diego Comic Con goes on they do this thing called HopCon where they have a bunch of different people come in and brew different beers and they have a you know kind of a big party and band and all that stuff on the Wednesday night which is like the preview night of HopCon so I mean of Comic Con and so last year they had this idea of why don't you brew a beer and you know you can't do a turtle beer <laughs> of course but we did did the next best thing we did it called uh, it's called Pizza Time and it's um, based on you know uh, uh, our family's favorite pizza which is uh it's called a hawaiian pizza which is you know hand pineapple but mm-hmm. you know we had our own touch and we put um jalapenos on it and so um <laughs> that doesn't sound like a great beer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was you know when we brought the we tried to come up with the idea of, of what flavor or you know what kind of beer would make we, we sort of threw this out as a bit of a joke like, what would be funny if we get a pizza flavored beer and they were like Hey, we can do that. And you're like, ah, oh, man, wouldn't that be gross? <laughs> but actually, it, it, it tastes pretty good. You know, it, it was, it was my, you know, you could taste the, you know, a lot of the wheat and barley and, and all that stuff. And there's a little bit of, you know, oregano and basil. And you could taste some of the pineapple and, and the jalapeno, you know, touch of jalapenos. But it was, it was an interesting idea. And they, they liked it. <laughs> and we've got, so, uh, um, we did that last year. And then Alamo Draft House has a chain of, uh, I think, about 20, 25 or 26 theaters and so they they brought it back um this pizza time uh, beer they're going to do it um uh, i think it's actually started at june 1st in all of their locations um around the release of the new turtle movie and, and that kind of stuff so it's, it's fun <laughs> <laughs> here i was thinking i was exotic last weekend for buying a pizza flavored cheese but that just seems positively normal now <laughs> yeah, see, we always glad to help you out. <laughs> I'm going to have to try and find out if I can get that in the UK now because uh, I'm not a big beer drinker, but my hubby is, so I could force him to try some. And he loves it, Hawaiian's his favourite pizza too, whereas I'm just like, get that pineapple away from my pizza, you crazy person. <laughs> it's a very unique, very kind of a bizarre idea, and I think, you know, some, sometimes I think certain foods are made as a as a joke or a test of, you know, see if somebody leaves it and, you know, the fact that it caught, you know, something like that catches on, you know, it's like, oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. I just, pineapple just has a texture that just makes me want to punch it if it had a face. So. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's not for you, Stace. It's not for you. Yeah. No, it's better than Brussels sprouts, so. Oh, I get out of town. I love a good Brussels sprout. Well, you know, they're, 
you know, on their own, it's like one of those things that looks like a, something out of an alien movie or something that you shouldn't eat. But if you cook it right, it, it can actually be quite good. But otherwise, it's sort of like, I kind of steer away from them if I can. Mm. They look like sad, shrunken cabbages, to be fair. But I did, um, I yep. bought the Bob's Burgers recipe book recently, and that has a recipe that involves sprouts. So I might have to try it because that sounds weird and amazing. Cool. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know how that goes when I'm like, I don't know, vomiting yeah. profusely because it's so gross. <laughs> yes, a picture of you, you know, vomiting or fake vomiting. <laughs> Just sat on the toilet looking sad. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on from that delightful image. So, Turtles. Yep. Um, I went to see the, the the second Turtles movie the other day because I, I think I got it first somehow. I don't know how that happened. But I spotted you immediately at the start. <laughs> how, how did that come about? How like Why didn't that happen in the first movie? <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's funny because it was actually well. Thanks for going to see it. I, I, you know, that these days I think it's great that um, they seem to open movies more universally instead of you know. Remember in the old days, uh, or you know, you know, ten years ago even that they would maybe even less, but they used to open you know here in the states, um, and then six months later it would be you know it would be in the UK and then other parts of Europe or so on and so on. So I think it's actually kind of cool that they open globally for everybody, but. Yeah, the cameo was, uh, I actually had a cameo in the first movie, you know, the one that was 19, 1990, but it was, it's funny that um, the director, Steve Barron, uh, was another awesome Brit, um, and Joe Henson built the costume, of course, which was fantastic. So Steve said, um, we down on set, and he said, I want you to do a cameo, and, and I said, oh, of course, my goodness, uh, you know, it, it, absolutely, yes. <clears throat> and there was a scene where they were setting up uh, um, the garbage truck um, that they used to squish, you know, crush shredder, shredder at the end of the movie. Um, there's a scene where, like, this two turtles fighting and they're exchanging lines, and then behind them is Leonardo fighting some other foot ninjas, and then down the street just a little bit, you see the, the garbage truck come into view, and in front of the garbage truck is a, a character, an actor, um, holding two garbage bags um, who looks down the street and sees what's going on and drops the garbage bags and, and runs down the runs the other way and so he said that's your scene and so you know I'm thinking you know they put me in, in you know there's makeup and costume and all this other stuff so I'm expecting there was going to be some close-up shot of my face of like you know having this bizarre reaction but when the movie actually came out all you saw was um through all of that action, all you saw was this little black blob sort of take three steps out into the street and then run back down. So it could have been anybody. <laughs> you know, I told I told everybody, it's like, hey, I'm in the movie, I'm in the movie. And then everybody looks at me and say, you're not in the movie. And I'm like, I am, I'm that black blob. And then you say, sure you are. <laughs> um, so uh, um, that was the very first Turtle movie in 1990. Then I did a cameo in the second of the first Michael Bay produced movie. Um, and they, it was I had seen it at the end, but they changed the ending, so they cut me out of that. And so <laughs> this one, they said, "No, we're putting we're putting you right up front. You're going to be the pizza guy standing on the corner of the turtles grab a pizza when they went by." So I thought that was fun. It's fun when you can get to do that stuff. I love the fact that because um, they obviously they call you Kevin in it, and I just turned to my hubby and I was like, "What's Kevin Eastman?" And he was like, great, calm down, watch the movie. I'm like, all right. <laughs> Do I ask you? I'd like to get Aww. excited. <sighs> oh, thank you. Well, thank you for spotting me and mentioning it. So it was really fun. It was fun to do that. I was talking about cameoing in things. I think it was on a recent episode of the podcast, and I was saying that I'd really love to be in an episode of Doctor Who. But like you were saying, I wouldn't want to be like an alien in a ton of makeup or something because I want it to be noticeably me. <laughs> I want to say to everyone, I'm in this, and they go, yes, there's your face. You don't want to be <laughs> hidden in the background. Oh, no, that'd be awesome. That, it was actually a, 
I love that when I, I like Doctor Who and one of my trips over, um, running around London doing stuff. I went to the BBC for some interviews and Dan got the, the Doctor Who, the call box there. Um, so I had to take pictures of myself and that. And, um, but I always wanted, I want to be, a, uh, oh. is that me or you? Oh, that might have oh, been me. <laughs> Oh, that's okay. Ah, oh, technology. <laughs> but I, always want, I want to be a zombie in Walking Dead and get my head shot. I'd get a shot in the head or something. Like oh, that, that would but then, be, but that would be uh, that would be good fun. And but at the same time, then you'd be all in zombie makeup, so people might not recognize you anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I was for a really long time. I wanted to be uh, a patient in house, just because I was like, imagine being in the same room as you, Laurie. But you know that stopped. So also, I'm not an actress. I, <laughs> Well, it seems like you know a lot of the times that they want to use, I think, real people in those. But I know I love we we, we my wife and I we uh, we love House. We've watched um uh you know all 177 episodes and mm-hmm. rewatched a bunch of them and and love it. And actually, I was you know grew up as a a huge fan of Hugh Laurie from I remember him from uh, Jeeves and Wooster, and then of course his you know in the Black Adder was fantastic. So it was you know it was just funny that when they actually cast him in House, it was like. You know, interesting casting choice. <clears throat> you know, the, 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 there's a lot of um, actors and actresses in the UK that pull off an American accent probably better than most Americans. So it's pretty cool. I've got to admit, I uh, I was uh, I'm rubbish at being a Brit, and I don't know anything about like anything really. I don't know why I have a podcast and pretend that I know stuff. But um, when when House started, I thought he was American. That's how good his accent was. And it was only when my hubby was like, Stace, we really need to educate you on British comedy. That I was like, oh, wow, he's not at all. <laughs> and now I feel silly. Yeah. No, but you think, you know, at the same time, it's like, you know, when, you know, we were just talking about The Walking Dead and, you know, most of the, uh, um, a bunch of the key actors in The Walking Dead are, are, are um, you know, actors from the UK. And it's like, when you, you hear, you know, I thought you know, Andrew Lincoln was, you know, some unknown American actor, then you see him on an interview and it's like, holy shit. <laughs> he either does a really good British accent or he's British. Mm. Um, so, yeah. My favourite revelation was recently when I discovered that Killian Murphy was Irish and I heard him in an interview and he was like a toy, toy, toy. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, anyway, I realised that we're already running out of time and I've been gas bagging about basically everything like around the turtle but no i got a sorry go, no, on. go ahead a water... i was gonna say that you know oh please you know um no my next one the next interview is at eleven thirty, so you got 15 minutes so no worries so bang 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 on it Oh. Say, bang on. Huzzah. Um, well, one of the things I really wanted to touch on was because, like, I assume that many people who are listening to this will have already heard the story of how the turtles came about and stuff. One of the things I find really interesting is after self-publishing the first issue, because you didn't, probably didn't think it was going to be a, a bigger thing as it was, what made you guys then sort of go to creating your own publishing and, and all that sort of plot? Because that must have been a proper daunting task. Well, it was... It was mostly accidental and, and a happy accident at, at, at you know, at best and, and as well. But there was, um, you know, we were lucky in that, um, here in the States, there was this, um, uh, underground comics movement and, and had been going on since like the late sixties, early seventies that you could have, you know, artists like Robert Crumb or Ricky Corbin or, you know, many, many others that were uh, either self-publishing their own black and white comic books with, you know, oftentimes it was very cheap to do, uh, you know, black and white comic books on newsprint with, let's say a two color cover, and uh, uh, we were very inspired by an artist named Dave Sim, who created uh, Cerebus, the Aardvark. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've ever read 
Cerebus, but I love Cerebus. But he was doing the same thing, black and white comic book, uh, two color cover style, publishing it. And we, you know, had been sending a lot of our work around um, trying to get jobs with real comic book publishers. And we just got stacks and stacks of rejection letters. And we were like, uh, you know, we're never going to get a job. So let's just follow some of the people that have inspired us and let's self-publish our own uh, book. Um, and, you know, it, it was, we found a local printer in New Hampshire, um, and I think it took a total of um, just under $1,500. And $1,500, we were able to print, you know, 3,000 copies of the very first issue, again, black and white with a two-color cover. We never thought we'd sell any, but, you know, and I used some money that I had. Pete had some money, and we borrowed some money from my uncle. But then we published it, and when it sold out, we were like, holy shit, this actually sold. Um, and we saved some money from the first issue to pay for the second issue and, and so on and so on. So we, we really happened into it quite accidentally. And, um, yeah, the, the fans are the ones that, are, you know, I continually thank and blame for its success because, you know, if they had never bought the first issue, we wouldn't be able to do anymore. So I thank them for giving us such a, such an awesome job. I get to draw comic books, you know, 32 years later, I'm still drawing comic books for a living and paying rent and stuff. So it worked out good. Do you think you would have stuck out comics if the turtles hadn't taken off the way they did? For sure, absolutely. You know, it was um, you know, when I was nine or ten, um, I was reading comic books like crazy, and I was a huge fan of um, Jack Kirby. Uh, he was, you know, my idol, which you know everybody knows. He created created or co-created most of the Marvel universe, um, but he was the guy that you know really inspired me. And even when I told my parents, like, hey, I'm going to be a comic book artist. I'm going to be Jack Kirby when I grow up. And they were like, oh, my God, he's never going to leave the basement. We're going to have one of those kids that's a, you know, a shut-in that lives in the hole in the, in the down, downstairs and saw our, uh, thinks he's going to draw comic books and make money at it. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, it was uh, um, you know, uh, such an amazing thing that, uh, you know, um, God, we just... I, I, you know, I, I'm stopping myself because I just stunned it. I still, you know, here we are, 32 years later. I'm still talking about what I, I get to do for a living. It's, it's fantastic. So, and I would have done comics in one form or another. Um, you know, even if it was, you know, if I was working at Starbucks making coffee. I'd, you know, after work, I'd go home and draw comic books. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. In terms of the turtles, like obviously that's been the the sort of bigger the big thing that you've done <laughs> for the last like 30 years. Do you <laughs> at, at, like? Not that I want you to, because I love the turtles and I never want them to end until I'm dead, at least. <laughs> How... Thank you. <laughs> Would you... Well, I say thank you and don't die soon, please. <laughs> I'll try not to, but, you know, you never can tell. I do eat an awful, awful lot of terrible, terrible things and drink a lot of booze, but... Um... <laughs> you only live once, don't you? So you might as well be drunk. Um... <laughs> what a terrible message. Here, here, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but in terms of the turtles, I know, like quite recently, like for example, Mike Mignola's just sort of put Hellboy to bed. Have you got any other sort of big ideas that you'd love to go off and pursue outside of the turtles? Or oh yes, no, and, and thanks. You know, it's, it's funny that um, over the years um, I've been able to um, do a bunch of different. You know, because I love the turtles and I love them dearly, and I, and I love that I still get to draw them, and, and that I get to work with all these younger people, like. Um, you know, most of the work I do is with IDW with Tom Waltz, um, and he's such a, a huge turtle fan. And he's a great writer, and he just has great ideas. He really energizes me, and he's always coming up with you know new things and new angles. And I, you know, I still can't believe you know there's so many cool stories um, to tell with the turtles. But you know, over the last you know couple of decades, it's been 
you know, at some point I'm like, well, I just have to do something different. So I'll do like a, a short story here, a short story there. And I've got a couple of collections of short stories I've done, which are usually, you know, crazy, you know, detective stories or vampires or, you know, I did one called Zombie War 15 years ago. Um, but then I did a project uh, a couple of years ago with Simon Bisley called uh, Fistful of Blood, which is, um, you know, vampires and zombies and the you know, female alien from outer space that's a bounty hunter. And it was just a complete tale of, you know, a way to go crazy and do things that we don't do with the turtles. We just put out a trade paperback of that. Um, I'm currently working on a new series called, um, which I also co-created with Simon. It's called Lost Angeles, um, L-O-S-T, Lost Angeles. And it's kind of this post-apocalyptic um, uh, retelling, sort of the, it was an old movie I liked called The Warriors that came out many years ago. Uh, and so it's sort of a love story and gangs and, you know, after the whole universe falls apart, what happens? Um, so I'm working on that now. So there's always like little side things I'm doing, but, uh, you know, the, the one that keeps me going and pays the bills is mostly turtles. But, uh, yeah, you can't, can't live on turtles alone. So I get to have fun with other things too. How much of a sort of influence do you have on the, IDW stuff and the Nickelodeon show? Well, you know, I'm lucky that, um, you know, um, Shiro Neely, who is um, the main creative executive producer of all the things Turtles up at Nickelodeon is, um, he grew up also as a, as a huge fan of the original uh, Turtles universe, the original Turtles comics. And so he, you know, he would bring me in and at different times when they were working on different episodes and kind of show me what they do. He, he jokingly calls me Obi-Wan. He's like, Obi-Wan's coming to the studio. And, and so we talk about ideas and, and kick around and stuff, but he really, he really runs the show. And then with Tom Waltz and uh, Bobby Kernow, who's the series editor, we do, um, actually we've got another, we call them mind melts. We have a mind melt the, this Wednesday where we, um, you know, basically get together, we plot out um, the next, you know, say, you know, six to to a dozen issues. And so, you know, we all put all of our ideas on the table and we put them all in the blender and, and, and you know, it's great because they, you know, lead us down this path or that path. I mean, we've written stories um, or ideas up to issue 100 and we just finished issue 62 um, this past week. So my... You know, um, I've done some consulting on the movies, um, some consulting on the animated series. I wrote an episode that's going to be out on the animated series next year. But most of it is all hands-on with the IDW stuff that I get to work with. You know, and some great guys have some great ideas, so it's it's quite a quite a cool thing. Can I make like a teeny tiny request of you and IDW? Can you like like never kill Donnie again, please? Like, <laughs> like never. Like legitimately had a cry on the bus when I was reading that that issue, and I was like, no, no, let's go back in time to a time when I hadn't read this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because it's like it's one of those things that you know we've done such you know, and, that, and that's what's cool and exciting is that we've been able to take like we did a this series called City Fall, which we had. Um, Dark Leo, where you know Shredder brainwashes him to think he's his, his son and gets him to do some some evil things, and you know people reacted to that, but not as big as what we did with Donatello. And the idea, really, with the whole Donatello thing is that we we love Fugitoid, and you know Fugitoid's a human in a trapped in a robot body. And we said, what if we did something really dramatic with Donatello, like? literally almost, you know, making everybody think that we killed him. We put his brain into metalhead for a short period of time while they repair his body and put it back in. But he was never really, so he was never really dead. But everybody's like, oh, my God, you killed Donnie for a year. I would go around and go like, oh, why well, he was my favorite. Why did you kill that fellow? And it's like, um, we didn't, we didn't keep reading, keep reading. Um, it was but that it's great that, we, that last page, it was just like the fucking saddest thing I've ever seen. And I was just like, no, I can't handle it. Oh, that's... Well, you know, the thing the thing is, what I take as um, 
and it still gives me goosebumps is like is the fact that you know fans like you that read that and are so vested you love the characters so much that you have that kind of reaction it's like it's like holy smokes because you know we we love them they're our children and we we write these stories and we we put them through all kinds of you know difficult tasks and, and things and then you know because we still mainly write the series I, I say I write it we write it for ourselves that we write the kind of stories that we'd like to read that are you know dramatic and engaging and there's action and some humor but when we suddenly realize like with that Donatello issue issue 44 is that when the fans um, are so vested in it and they have that kind of reaction it's like oh my goodness we're we you know it's a it's a it's a mind-blowing compliment of you know my goodness thank you guys for supporting it and loving those stories that much that you have that kind of reaction to it so it's, it was really it was really cool, but no, we won't we won't kill him again soon. Because <laughs> I um I recently started reading the um the volume two stuff from uh, Image just to just as a sort of like because I do a podcast called Podcast in a Half Shell and we review all sorts of turtle stuff. And when I read that, I think that starts with Donatello getting blown to pieces, and I was like, what is happening? <laughs> Why does everyone hate Donatello? Like he's my favorite. <laughs> Quit. <laughs> well, you know he's also, but he's it's funny because he's such a you know so many you know. Um, you know, people like Leo because he's a leader. People like Raphael because he's a, kind of a Wolverine character, and and you know, Michelangelo is is uh, is, is funny and and stuff. But Donatello is such a sweet character, and that you know, you feel that you know the emotional resonance of doing something with Donatello like that is um, uh, is uh, um, is cool. And it's like you know, and and you know, you can take him to that place and you know, really pull on people's heartstrings. But uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, that image series was really fun. We're actually um, working uh, out of a situation now where we can reprint that series. Ooh. And I want because I love it. It's like, I want to do it in color. Um, IDW wants to do it in color. It was intended originally to be uh, 26 issues and only 23 of them were completed before um, back in those days that we, we couldn't find an audience and enough. We, so it was canceled before the final three issues. So we're hoping to, not only reprinting color, but also finish the final three issues and and um, complete the whole saga because it was quite good. I love what Gary Carlson and Frank Ford and uh, every you know Eric Larson everybody did with it. It was fantastic. It was so. mental, but it was because <laughs> you were, the, the thing about that was like literally anything could happen. It's you know like I say, it started with Donatello getting blown to bits, so <laughs> yep. a- anything's fair game, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well thank you listen um i think that we've got total time for one more quick question and then i am i'm having a great time with you and so we have to do this again sometime but uh i'm gonna oh. have to jump off for my for my next conversation i'll save i'll save the questions then for the future because that certainly ties you into having to come back <laughs> um but i will just say is there any sort of appearances or or things coming up that you want to promote before we go well, you know, we're lucky that we have, um, you know, we do, you know, Courtney, who arranged this interview, um, um, <clears throat> my wife and uh, partner, um, we do about 12 shows a year. We're doing one in Las Vegas um, uh, in about a week's time. Um, then San Diego Comic-Con, we're doing one in Dublin in August. But if you if people want to find out what we're doing and what we're up to, basically, if they go to kevinismstudios.com, um, it's, a, you know, my main website the fan page that people can find out what I'm doing, what I'm up to. They can see previews of, you know, stuff that I'm, that's coming up or you, know, you can become a fan club member and get some behind the scenes, you know, cool stuff. But yeah, you know, if they want to go there and check out where I'm going to be, then that would be cool. But yes, 
thank you um, so much for the chat. I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, definitely uh, reach out again and let's have another chat and you can answer the other questions and, and answer some more. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for having a chat with me. I know it's uh, probably crazy busy, but um, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. I enjoyed it very much as well. Thank you so much. Uh, have a good day. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to just go to bed in a minute. <laughs> Those nerves were somewhat unfounded. Isn't he lovely? I think I might have come across like a slightly overexcitable weirdo, but that's kind of what I am, so I guess that's fine. Question mark? <laughs> I think I may have talked entirely too much about food and the weather, but if you guys knew how sweaty the back of my knee was right now, you would understand how much of an effect this is having on my life. I'm just not a summer kind of gal. Anywho, that's my interview with Kevin Eastman. It was lovely. I was alright, <laughs> I think. <laughs> um, if you want to follow me on Twitter and all that contact jazz, you can go uh, to Twitter and find at Stacey's Parlour. Sorry, I'm getting distracted by a moth that's just flapping around my... Fuck off. Just fuck off. I'm just... <laughs> Right. Um, yes, Twitter, at Stacey's Parlour on Twitter. Um, I've been announcing the um, guests for the upcoming live show, which I'll give you the details for at the end on there. And also, I believe there will be some art auctions at some point in the not-too-distant future with some art provided by my lovely jubbly friend Mike. So uh, the details of those will be going up there as well, so keep an eye out for that. Um, or you can join the Facebook group, which is just Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. Or you can drop me an email, stacysparlour at gmail.com. Uh, you can go and buy a t-shirt that has my face on it at spcp.spreadshirt.co.uk. My, my brain's been addled by talking to someone so awesome, so I'm sorry if I... <laughs> I've become mush, basically. I can't go. <laughs> also, reliving Donatello almost doing a dead was uh, pretty pretty rough. Pretty rough there. Anywho, the live show. Go to Mixler, that's M-I-X-L-R dot com forward slash S-P-C-P dash live. On Saturday the 9th of July, I will be broadcasting live from that link, uh, along with my recently announced co-host, which will be none other than Geek Syndicate's Barry Nugent, which I'm very excited about because he's a bit more professional podcaster uh, than me. <laughs> so, you know, if I get off track and start talking about like my undercrackers or something again, he might be able to actually get it back to talking about pop culture. Unless I'm wearing, like, I don't know, turtles underwear or something, then it counts, I guess. Anywho, uh, yes. Um, the guests that I've announced so far, there's tons of them, including uh, Kelly Thompson. I'm very excited about talking to her. Jamie Smart, he's going to be there. The guys from the Two Grown Men podcast are going to be there. Uh, the guys from Fantasticast are going to be there. There's going to be... Who else? Who else? I am blanking... Sarah Millman, Sarah Grayley, who I'm excited to talk to because she's just started working on uh, a Rick and Morty spin-off comic called Little Poopy Superstar, which is uh, very relevant to my interests. So uh, I'm excited about that. And who else, who else, who else? There's also going to be, oh, Jenny Hillblad, who, you know, is amazing and wonderful and potty and Swedish. So that should be a laugh. Uh, I've got Lee Grice coming back. I've got... Peter Spellos coming back I've got, who else have I got why am I blanking so hard on this this is terrible, just go to Twitter it's all over Twitter and it hashtag SPCP live yeah, 
And I think that's about it. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, the Just Giving page. <laughs> Fucking hell, Stace. Get it together. Um, if you want to donate to Alzheimer's Society via the uh, SPCP Live Just Giving account, that would be lovely. Um, a few people have done so already, which is really nice, because I wasn't expecting anybody to give any money until the day that I actually start going do lally over 24 hours for charity. But um, you can find that at justgiving.com forward slash spcp live two and that's the number two not the word two if you are a uk resident as well when you do a donation you can tick a box to say that you're a uk taxpayer and they'll like give you extra money uh, well they won't give you extra money they'll give the charity extra money on behalf of you and it won't cost you anything so that's always good and i think that's it i'm gonna go and have a cup of tea i think and calm the fuck down see us mm.